Hello and welcome to the monthly Megabyte CEO Barometer. At Megabyte we track the financial performance, corporate activity and strategic positioning of over 6,000 of the UK's leading technology and digital businesses. Each month our research team analyses dozens of results and corporate transactions in the UK tech sector. As well as delivering extensive company financial and transaction data, our team leverages some 500 CEO relationships to bring our subscribers deep insight into the companies and technology peer groups we track. The aim of this show every month is to summarise the research and data on the Megabyte platform from the last month with a particular focus on the key themes around corporate activity and valuations. Of course, subscribers can get access to all of the underlying research and data on the Megabyte platform and if you think that the research that we provide at Megabyte may be of help to you and you're not yet a subscriber, we'd love to hear from you. The best thing to do is to go to uh, our website at megabyte.com and hit the request uh, trial button. And you can now set up an automatic trial of our news analysis service, the, the Megabyte Newswire, um, and also request a demo of the wider platform. So if that's of use to you, or you think it might be of use to you, we'd love to hear from you. So here's a look at the key takeaways from the Megabyte CEO barometer this month. It's been a really positive start to the year for share prices on both sides of the Atlantic. Uh, the UK listed tech stocks were up 8% on average during January and in the tech heavy NASDAQ was up 12%. And even more so, the Bessemer Venture Partners Cloud Index, which measures the high growth end of the SaaS industry, that was up 15% in the month. And uh, there was a, a general outperformance in the market with the FTSE 250 here in the UK up just 4% in January. In terms of deal flow, it was a mixed picture. Uh, we saw a 26% reduction in overall deal volumes in January in the UK tech sector to 87. But uh, within that, you saw real weakness within venture capital where there was just 21 deals registered on our database. That was down more than half on last year and a more than 80% reduction in funds raised to just under 400 million. But I think the key thing when we're talking about venture capital is not really to look at the year-on-year -year comparisons, which are very challenging still because Q1 last year was really the, the peak of the venture bubble. The month-on-month -month numbers in venture capital are pretty stable. And I think that's a better indicator of where we are in that part of the market. Also very weak, despite the strong share prices actually, uh, is capital markets deals. There were no IPOs and no follow-on public offerings registered on the Megabyte database during January. So we're still seeing that lag. Uh, while there is stronger share prices, they're not yet translating into deal flow. More positively, it was a better month for private equity after a very slow December. Uh, there were six deals registered on our database in uh, January, um, and most of those were secondary buyout deals. So that's really been the flavor um, of uh, private equity activity, certainly in the early uh, part of the year. And the M&A um, side of things was also very strong. I said in my predictions for 2023 in the podcast last month that uh, I think that M&A is going to be a really robust part of the market this year. And certainly January was um, a good start in that regard. 60 deals registered on our database, flat on a very tough comp from last year, 40 deals in software, 20 in ICT services, and lots to talk about there as we go through the show. And lots to talk about in private equity as well. And I'll talk through the key deals in all of these areas as we walk through the show. In terms of outlook, I think it's a mixed picture. I still think that we're going to see some weakness in trading before things get really significantly better later in the year, uh, but it's really in pockets, some good, some bad. So we're seeing evidence of both at the moment. And I think share prices will probably reflect that into a degree deal flow as we go through the year. So that's a quick look at the key takeaways from this month's Megabyte CEO Barometer. Let's get on with the show. So turning first to focus in a little bit more detail on share price performance, valuations and capital markets activity, such as it was uh, in January. And um, as I mentioned, very strong in share prices in, uh, in, in January across the board, really. The Megabyte universe of 150 UK listed tech stocks was up 8% uh, in January. 
Interestingly, the valuation was flat at just over 14 times, implying that there have been some upgrades on average in there. Uh, rising share price, flat valuation suggests, um, clearly suggests upgrades in, uh, in EBITDA. Uh, expectations, because we're looking at this on a current year forward basis with, uh, when we're looking at quoted stocks. Um, the megabyte software index was also up 8%. Again, valuations though down very slightly to 15.7 times. And that really is a, a, a low point um, uh, for, for software valuations here in the UK. Really does remain sort of very, very much becalmed. Those valuations, if you remember, were well into the 20s uh, 18 months ago. So still very weak. And that might also, uh, that might also kind of uh, point to why there's so little cap, uh, capital markets deal flow, uh, fundraising deal flow, which I'll touch on again in a minute. ICT services uh, up about 7%, so broadly in line with the wider sector. Uh, valuations up slightly to uh, just over four, uh, uh, valuations up slightly four uh, percent, just under to just under eleven times. So there was a period with ICT services valuations where they looked like they were going to dip below ten times. Now solidly above that and seemingly quite stable. And for context, as I mentioned in the opening, the megabyte, uh, sorry, not the megabyte, the FTSE two fifty was up four percent. So as we often see, the, the uh, volatile tech sector outperforming a rising market. In the US, the Nasdaq was up 12%. The EV EBITDA multiple for the Nasdaq on average was also up 12% to 15 times. And the BVP cloud index, uh, which is a really good kind of indicator of, of sentiment because it's the really sexy end of the market, that was up 15% and has enjoyed a pretty good, uh, a pretty good recovery over the last few months uh, as sentiment has improved to a degree. Uh, but the EV sales multiple is still relatively low at seven times, although it is up one or two turns from its low point late last year, but still down by more than two thirds on its high point 18 months ago. So as I've said, nothing really to report on capital markets deals. It's, it's quite surprising that we're not seeing anything at all uh, coming through in terms of that. Um, and I just think we need a bit more stability in trading. We need a little bit more uh, continuation of positive share prices. But I am hearing from my friends in the city that quite a lot of portfolio managers do have cash in their portfolios now. And are starting to sniff around for some new investments and things that they, uh, things outside of their existing portfolios that they might invest in. And that's starting to look like we might start to see some um, IPO activity coming through. Hard to say whether we see much of it this side of the summer, it might be one or two, but I'm still pretty confident we're going to see, start seeing a, a, a flow, probably not a flood, but a trickle at least of IPOs as we go through the second half of the year. So that's, that's a look at what's happening in the capital markets and we'll look next at what's been going on in private equity where it was a pretty positive month. After what was really a very quiet uh, December, the, one of the quietest months for, for many a month in uh, private equity with just one deal in December, things were definitely better and, and more robust in, uh, in January with six deals announced, uh, very much a, a kind of a, a secondary buyout flavour to them. One management buyout, four secondary buyouts, one carve out and an equal split of deals between ICT services um, and software. And looking at those ICT services deals first, uh, Cloud Technology Solutions, this is an IT consulting business in the Google space. Uh, that was a Northedge uh, portfolio business that was sold, we think, for about 100 million. Um, quite, very hard to triangulate that deal because it's a very high growth business, but we think about 100, maybe a bit more than 100 million, which would be a kind of mid-teens uh, current year or kind of uh, run rate EV EBITDA multiple. That was sold to Marlin, although Northedge have, uh, have retained a stake. Acuity Knowledge Partners in the, in the BPO space, this is a... Uh, uh, this is a, a kind of a, a, an outsourcing uh, uh, business research, uh, outsourcing business that was backed by uh, Equistone, uh, but has been sold to Permira in a deal we think was about just under 700 million. Again, Equistone have retained um, a, uh, a stake 
uh, in that business. We think that the deal was done at about an 18 times trailing, low teens, current year, EV, EBITDA multiple. So interesting, another deal where the, uh, the selling shareholders retained a stake. We're seeing more and more of that. Um, that was originally something that really started a few years ago, primarily in the, um, in the upper mid-market and buyout market, and now seems to be becoming the, uh, part of the playbook in uh, very large parts of the private equity market. Um, and also one small, um, uh, one small uh, uh, management buyout with Alita Capital uh, for ICM. In software, uh, interesting to see a carve out. Uh, this was really a completed deal. We've talked about this before. This was Astor buying out fast markets uh, from, uh, from its media owner. Uh, and that was a deal that we, we talked about quite a bit a couple of months ago. That just completed during January. Um, in the fintech space, Alveo, this is a data management software business in the fintech space. Uh, it's been a sovereign uh, backed business for a number of years. And that was sold to Symphony Tech for what we think was about 88 million, um, uh, uh, roughly 14 times trailing EV EBITDA. And also in uh, in software, Nexus retail vehicle uh, vehicle rental management software, it's like a vehicle rental platform, if you like, digital business. That was in the Phoenix portfolio, and that has been sold into Equistone. We think for about 450 million, or about 27 times, trailing EV EBITDA. So we're not seeing a lot of MBO activity, with the ICM deal being the uh, being the uh, being the exception here. It'd be interesting to see what happens over the next couple of months with that, because I think if we're going to see weakness in I think we're going to see weakness anywhere in private equity. It's probably going to be in MBOs because that's probably where you've got businesses that aren't quite as well prepared for a deal as a secondary buyout would be. And there might be issues with budgets if trading is a little bit weaker uh, as the deal progresses. I think it might be the MBOs that have a little bit of uh, a falter a little bit over the next couple of months. Not saying there won't be any, but I think the numbers might be a little bit lower. So it'll be very interesting to see whether that uh, January is is uh, January is a, is a signal of that, or whether it's just a, a one-off, and we'll see uh, a return of MBOs next month and the next few months. Um, overall, in terms of the outlook for private equity, I think the the, the, you know, the picture on valuations is quite, is becoming quite clear, which is there is still. Uh, robust valuations for uh, the, the the highest quality businesses, and we're not really seeing significant valuation uh, pressure on those businesses. But we are, as often happens in a slightly more challenging market, we are seeing slightly weaker valuations. I think for some of the businesses that are still of a reasonable quality, clearly otherwise they wouldn't be doing a private equity deal, but maybe not be the real shiny pennies. And interestingly, I've spoken to a couple of businesses in the last in the last few weeks that are either looking to invest in or acquire. Um, what is effectively now legacy tech. I mean, I've mentioned this a few times um, over the last few months, and particularly in my predictions podcast last month. You know, businesses now as we move into chapter two of the cloud, where SaaS is just table stakes. A business, if a business has not made the SaaS transition and they're still working on pre-2010 technology or even worse, 90s technology, you know, they're not going to make that transition now. And we're seeing valuations for those kind of businesses in the software sector um, in the mid-single digits, uh, mid to high single digits for those businesses, which I think is really interesting, indicating and really enforcing my view that those businesses don't really have an option to get out of that if, if their tech, technical legacy is so great now, uh, technical debt is so great now that they can't get out of that into SaaS, let alone chapter two. Uh, they will be acquired, but they won't be, uh, be, they won't be receiving a premium valuation. So that's interesting. We'll see that develop more, I think, over the next year or two. So that's private equity. Um, I'll switch now uh, to look at a, a bit more of a, a, a softer picture in venture capital. As I mentioned at the top of the show, the comps are really challenging for venture and growth capital at the moment. Um, the, key, the first quarter of 2022 was really the, the peak of the venture capital boom stroke bubble, depending on which side of the debate you're on there. Um, and it was a very, very strong period for, for venture capital deal numbers and values. Um, and so 
not then perhaps surprising to see that we saw more than uh, we saw deal volumes more than halved in January this year compared to January last year at 21 down from 46. And the amount raised in total across the across those deals was down more than 80% to just under 400 million. But I think, as I mentioned earlier, the key point really for me is that the um, the comps uh, month on month are pretty stable now. We're seeing um, 20 something deals, and we're seeing 200, 300. Well, maybe not as low as 200, three, four, five, six hundred million uh, raised across those businesses, and uh, that I think is what we'll probably continue to see as we go through this year. I don't see any particular reason why it should increase significantly up or down from there. It was interesting. It could be a one-off, but it was very interesting. It was very weak in Series A in January. Only one Series A deal. Series A deals are normally kind of the bulk of the deals along with growth capital and pre-series pre-series eight deals. And there was only, only one uh, in January this year compared to 14 uh, in January last year. There is still room for some mega deals at the other end of the spectrum. Um, and we saw a 115 million Series C raise from Oxbotica. This is in the, uh, in the um, uh, autonomous driving space and a really interesting group of, very large group of shareholders there. And particularly interesting thinking about the kind of the um, corporate venturing side of their shell, the list, Ocado, BP, Halma. Interesting to see those businesses really putting some big money into uh, autonomous driving for obvious reasons in their cases, but also alongside traditional investors such as BGF on the shell, the list there with Oxbotica. Elsewhere, I think the two areas I think were quite interesting in venture and growth capital is a real spread of deals, um, as always, mainly in software, two very small uh, fibre deals, I mean, like a couple of million, so hardly worth mentioning uh, in, in the month. And actually, that's a, it's a trend I talked about previously, that the fibre funding um, has really slowed to a trickle compared to some of the massive deals we were seeing and the huge amounts of funding going into the fibre industry uh, last year. So that's that's interesting. Outside of that, in the software sector, where the vast majority of deals were, a couple of areas to mention. One that was in HCM, I think it was six deals in HCM. So out of 21 deals, um, this has really been a very vibrant area for venture funding over the last well, few years, really, but particularly in the last two to three years, I guess partly to do with um, you know everyone thinking more about their uh, their staff um, uh, as a result of what's been happening with COVID and working from home, etc. Uh, a deal I think probably to mention is probably where uh, where I think the HCM meets healthcare. Um, Pepe, this is a gender-based medical support business. This was a Series B, 37 million sterling Series B led by Albion. And it's sort of a bit like the likes of Cooth and Helios, but they're more healthcare businesses because they're selling into the healthcare industry. Pepe is selling into the uh, enterprise market, so it's more in the... Um, employee welfare space, hence why we've got it in the HCM segment in our database. So that was a very interesting deal and more money going elsewhere into HCM. Information management and particularly where information management meets, meets cybersecurity and AI is super hot still. And a couple of businesses that have raised a ton of money in the last um, couple of years um, doing smaller deals uh, and interestingly both doing corporate uh, venture deals as well. Ripjar, data analytics, automation software, particularly focused around financial crime. That range, we don't know how much that raise was actually, but it was from Dow Jones. So that corporate venturing there is a big customer of Ripjar. And SNCC, which is an application security, sort of code security business, has raised over a billion. It's a real kind of hero of the venture market. And that raised 20 million follow-on from ServiceNow, which was interesting. I wouldn't didn't necessarily would have seen that one coming, but that was an interesting, another corporate venture deal uh, behind uh, some of these very highly valued, very high growth kind of sexy uh, venture businesses that are still able to raise chunks of money despite weakness in the venture market. 
Elsewhere, a couple of interesting deals to talk about. Also in the cyber market, Hack the Box, ethical hacking training platform. That was a 45 million big series B led by Carlisle. Perspectum in medical imaging, again, AI coming into it there. AI popping up everywhere. That was a 30 million series C led by Oppenheimer. So the numbers suggest that venture capital is really on its back. But actually, there's quite a lot of interesting stuff going on. It is tougher, definitely tougher to raise money than it has been. And I think still getting a little bit tougher, despite the fact that the numbers are broadly flat month on month. But if you've got a great business, it's not in the kind of consumer uh, buy it and they will come. So build it and they will come space. Then, you know, there's a good chance of raising good money at reasonable valuation still. And I think the outlook is unchanged, really, in venture. I think I don't see any reason why this uh, dynamic should change through this year. Um, I think there will be difficulty in trading for some of the smaller businesses, and I think some of the pre-Series A deals that have done uh, have been done, and maybe some of the Series A deals that have been done over the last couple of years, um, in a little bit, perhaps a little bit over excitement, those might end up struggling, struggling a little bit to make to get their next raise. I think a lot of them will. And interestingly, and we're going to do some work on this this year. Uh, a lot of those businesses where they may not have been targets for corporate acquirers, acquirers like the big volume acquirers like Access and Iris and those guys in software, they may not have been targets for those guys a year ago because the valuations were too high and they were trading too well. Trading might be a little bit weaker. They can't get the next round done. They might make a drive for, for cash flow break even. And then they become targets for those guys. And I think that's an interesting dynamic we'll see developing over the next 12 months or so. So that's, all, that's it on venture capital. I'll wrap up the show as I always do with a look at what's really been a pretty strong M&A market. So with 60 deals, uh, M&A deals in January, um, flat on, on January 2022, I think that can be seen as a pretty strong month uh, for this part of the market. And we, you know, as I've mentioned a few times on the show, it's really the key driver here is the M&A playbook for private equity-backed businesses. So many PE-backed businesses now have M&A as part of their playbook to, to, to drive uh, returns. Um, and I think that is the, one of the biggest drivers we, we've seen and, and will continue to see. And one of the reasons I think it's going to be a continuing strong year for M&A during 2023. Um, so looking at some of the deal flow, starting starting off with software, I think just a, a two or three deals, probably a couple of deals to mention of the, on the bigger side. Before I dive into that, it was interesting just to think about software generally. Very little activity from the big acquirers. Uh, in enterprise software. And, and I think, I wonder whether this is because uh, some of them, particularly the likes of Access, are really starting to look for bigger deals as they get themselves get a lot bigger. But there was, I think, a clear course, I think, completely one deal in January. But other than that, there was very little from, uh, from those guys, that cohort of companies. So that was an interesting sort of general observation before I dive into the, into the, the more significant deals. Two big deals I wanted just to mention. Um, Alchemist is actually more of a BPO uh, business. Uh, it was spun out recently, uh, sorry, sold recently from Inflection to Apex, although Inflection did reinvest. And it's in the GRC space in BPO, quite a successful business, very successful business. Interestingly, they sold their uh, their software business to Ecoline, which is also backed by Apex, for what we think was about 175 million, maybe 25 times EBITDA. So it's interesting just to see a, you know, it's a bit of a reverse of a trend we see BPO businesses. I mean, obviously, Alchemist has still got a lot of technology within its business that it uses to serve its customers in GRC. So it is still a very much a tech-enabled business, but it has divested its software products business. So I think that's sort of almost revert, sort of goes against the trend to a degree, but interesting deal. Um, and the other one worth mentioning, I've, I've mentioned before in, in the last section that AI is popping up everywhere. Um, and I really want to try and find some, some time to write more about um, AI this year with everything that's going on, all the press it's getting. I want to, I really want to try and see whether I can drill into where AI will pop up most in a B2B context, because most of the interest so far has been around uh, chat GPT and so on, which is more of a quasi-consumer application. Anyway, I digress. So talking about AI, InstaDeep, this is a business with almost no revenue and 26 employees at the last uh, 
uh, annual report sold to Beyond BioNTech of COVID fame, uh, life sciences business that you will all have heard of, I'm sure, for £362 million. So that is a, not a bad result, and I think that although it doesn't quite match the billions and billions that uh, the Microsoft investment in OpenAI uh, valued that business at, it does underline this idea that you know AI technology can be hugely valuable if it hits the right niche, um, and, and that's certainly been the case with with InstaDeep. But a, a total of forty deals across software, so I would encourage subscribers to to look at the database. There's been lots going on in software, but I just wanted to pick out those two deals uh, for uh, for uh, to, to make sure we're reasonably brief on the podcast. Turning them to ICT services, sort of three areas I want to talk about. 20 deals, so, so one-third, two-thirds split in software uh, and ICT services. Sorry, one-third, two-thirds ICT services and software, so one-third in ICT services. Um, uh, but I think three deals I wanted to bring out. Um, one was um, a Cognizant Mobica. So Mobica has been in the inflection portfolio. It's an IT consulting business, sold for what we think was about 140 million. This has been a really tough hold for inflection, no question about it. Actually, the result they got in the end was not too bad. Uh, but Mobica has been through a um, through a number of iterations. Well, not iterations is probably overstating it. Different CEOs struggled to sort of uh, lots of customer concentration, which has caused it problems. But overall, not a bad result, I guess. Well, it's not a great result, but anyway. Um, but interestingly, seeing Cognizant, another big trade buyer coming into the IT consulting market. But really, the point I wanted to make about that is there is a lot of there's been super. High interest, obviously, in IT consulting from trade and private equity. And Mobica just shows that if you do have issues with uh, one of these businesses, it can get quite ugly quite quickly because they don't have that recurring revenue. And I think there is a, there is a tendency slightly in the private equity industry to forget that. And I think uh, Mobica is an interesting case study uh, for people to look at if they're thinking of investing or backing one of these businesses. Often it works out brilliantly, uh, but sometimes it doesn't. When it doesn't, you really can have problems. Um, uh, more in the telecom side of the market, Bowmark backed Focus, uh, Focus Group, uh, their biggest acquisition to date, I think, uh, from Zest4. This was a 40 million, uh, what we think was a 40 million deal, probably a low teens multiple for Zest4. Not a huge deal from Focus's perspective because it only adds about 10% to their business, but particularly important both for Focus and also as a broader trend within um, telecoms uh, services that uh, it builds a much bigger business, uh, a channel business within uh, within focus. And I think that's the strategically interesting thing about that deal and has been replicated in other businesses across that part of the market, which I think, think is interesting. More broadly, thinking about focus, um, Bowmark invested in that business in March 2020, um, and it's done 13 deals uh, since then. So it's been a very active acquirer and is definitely one of the most uh, uh, active acquirers in that part of the market. Last but definitely not least, talking about partners backed version one. This is a uh, version one, as uh, many of you will be aware of this business. Uh, it's been uh, acquiring away in the ICT services sector for a number of years now. Um, and uh, that uh, double acquisition for version one, which is itself a, a digital services business. DevOps player uh, called uh, Automation Logic. My marketing department would, would uh, shoot me if I didn't mention that we actually helped version one with that deal with some commercial diligence. So great to work on that deal with version one. Uh, that was uh, in the uh, in the DevOps space, as I say, and also another deal simultaneously announced called Cubix. This is an Oracle Platinum partner. Uh, that was about a 15 million deal that uh, we estimate that deal valuation. So this is the second and third deal since the partners deal in April last year. I was probably expecting a bit of a quicker pace of deal flow from, from version one following the partners deal, but I'm sure we'll see plenty more deals coming from them as we move through 2023. So Lots of interesting P-back consolidation going on in ICT services and just general very significant volumes of deals going on software um, across multiple different, with multiple different drivers. So that is a look at M&A, robust activity, and I think that will continue certainly for the time being. 
So where does that leave us? Just looking to wrap up and think about the outlook more generally. No change to what I said last month, really. Uh, not surprising, given it's only a few weeks ago. There is obviously more optimism in the market at the moment, and I understand that. You've got, uh, you've got uh, the economists getting rather excited about the fact that um, energy prices look like they're coming back down quite quickly or are coming back down quite quickly, and that will feed through into consumer uh, households as we move through the year and have an impact on, uh, positive impact on inflation. So that, that has got to be positive. Um, but I'm still just a little bit cautious. I am seeing some weakness, uh, some pockets of weakness in trading. Nothing dramatic at the moment. Um, and, you know, a bit of a profit warning from NCC or a, a bit of a warning from NCC last week. And things, so there are pockets of weakness. And I do just think things might still get a little bit weaker in terms of trading before they get better. And everyone might be, things might be getting a little bit ahead of themselves in terms of the optimism. But I, I don't know. As I said at the top of the show, I think it's going to be a very mixed picture through the next six to nine months. And some areas will be weaker. Some areas will continue to be strong. Um, and I think there'll be a share price reaction to that when we will have volatility in share prices. And we might have weaker uh, deal volumes in certain areas, as I've mentioned, particularly maybe in management buyouts, and certainly in capital markets, continuing while that volatility and that uncertainty persists. But I think uh, the picture towards the end of the year will be much improved. So that's my view on the outlook, not really changed from my podcast from last month on the my predictions for 2023. And by the way, if you haven't listened to that, it's been very popular. We've had a record number of downloads on that. So if you haven't listened to it yet, um, uh, you, you might want to listen to that because it's it's really giving my views on, on where I think we'll end up um, as we go through this year in terms of corporate activity and trading trends. So that's it. Thank you very much for listening again for the first um, the first sort of normal podcast, if you like, of 2023. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed it and I look forward to speaking to you again next month. Bye-bye.